0: Hi.
1: Hello. I'm Evan. I'm Addy.
0: And you are listening to the Speaking English Podcast, the place to be for anyone who wants to watch more movies or read more books, but doesn't know where to start. This is episode 158, and we're back in action.
1: Yeah, after a long hiatus.
0: A, a okay. bit of a hiatus.
1: Good back. to be back. <laughs>
0: um, and we're here with our April wrap up episode
1: was our last episode book club
0: it was weathering heights oh
1: weathering heights the movie can't escape from weathering heights
0: yeah so much like uh what's his name lockwood at the beginning of uh weathering heights the book (laughs) (laughs) one of us got sick yeah (laughs) after trying to leave weathering heights
1: (laughs) lesson learned i'll never do it again
0: <laughs> so on that note we are, are now here to announce that we're a weathering heights only podcast
1: yeah
0: <laughs> where we will discuss the same thing every week
1: there are enough weathering heights movie adaptations for us to keep going on that content for a long time
0: that is true we could do like chapter by chapter too
1: Yeah, that's true. We could really break it down.
0: Do some investigating. If that's what it takes to stay out of the
1: hospital, I'm (laughs) I'm totally
0: down. Do some investigative journalism on the life Mm -hmm. of Emily Bronte.
1: Nice. We could do a live action reenactment.
0: There's
1: a lot that we can delve into there.
0: All right. I'll keep it on the back burner in case of uh, more (laughs) hospital trips. (laughs) Thanks. Um. But yeah, how has your week been? <laughs> <laughs> How's your past couple of weeks been? Do you want to talk about it or?
1: Yeah, I'll tell. The, I'll tell the story. So, as you might recall, I don't remember what I said the state of my health was when we did Wuthering Heights, the movie. But I remember that when we did Wuthering Heights, the book, I was like. I've had the stomach flu for like eight days and I'm like still sick and I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why I'm still sick. The update on that is that is I was still sick at that time because it was not the stomach flu. It was okay. never the stomach flu. It was appendicitis. <laughs> <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? Who would have guessed? Yeah. So that whole week that I was extremely ill with what I thought was the worst stomach flu of all time. Actually, I was extremely ill with appendicitis which is a lot more serious (laughs) and at some point during that week my appendix did rupture and i did not know and then i thought that i got better because i felt slightly apparently i learned this in the hospital this week you're you're in so much pain because like your appendix is like swelling up and there's like a lot of pressure and stuff and then when it ruptures you feel better because the pressure is like released like it doesn't yeah. doesn't yeah. hurt it so bad anymore, but I still had like a fever kind of, and you know, I didn't feel great. That whole still time. a little weird. Yeah. But I was like, well, clearly I'm on the mend, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> so what about my life?
0: Things for are three looking
1: weeks, up. <laughs> <laughs> for three weeks, I lived my life. That's so, that's so crazy. And then, uh, I don't know when it was last, last Sunday night, I guess, I got extremely sick again, like even sicker than before, very high fever, couldn't keep anything in my body type of situation, and so first thing in the morning, I went to the urgent care, and I, also, I was covered head to toe in hives at the time, <laughs> Because I had a severe infection. So I walk into the urgent care and I was like, hey, I've had stomach flu symptoms for like three weeks and also now I'm covered in hives. And they said, oh my God. And then they saw me right away (laughs) and the doctor in there poked my stomach and I was like, (laughs) she just poked my stomach once and I like screamed. And then she went, I am going to refund your copay and you need to drive yourself to the emergency room immediately.
0: Right now. Wow. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I drove myself to the ER and I walk in tears streaming down my face and they're like, we were expecting. ER. <laughs>
0: you." Oh no. like,
1: okay, cool. And they put me in a cat scan and then they came back into my room after the cat scan and they went, you have the like largest abscess of infected fluid I've ever seen. Oh no. <laughs> in front of your stomach. And I was like, Holy crap. So they had to put me under like right away and put a drain into my body. Be it through this, the very dead center of my left butt cheek, there is a tube <laughs> that goes into my stomach. It's the most inconvenient placing. Okay. It's still there. <laughs> I have to just keep draining the abscess. I can't sit normally or lay normally. You can't tell, but right now I'm like perched on the edge of my bed because uh... I can only sit on one butt cheek and <laughs> not the left one. <laughs> So yeah, I had the drain and I had to stay in the hospital for like four days because they were extremely scared of me getting sepsis or something like that. I don't know. I was pretty it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It was on a constant IV of antibiotics. Oh my god. Also, they like urgently gave me potassium while I was in there, which by the way is the most disgusting substance
0: to- <laughs> <laughs> the
1: most foul tasting thing they just, ever. They
0: just- They didn't just feed you a multitude of bananas?
1: No. I was (laughs) like, I had like zero potassium in my body. Like this was one of the scariest moments. They drew my blood and then they Uh came in with all this potassium and they were, they were honestly freaking out. They were like, you have a severe lack of potassium (laughs) it's like really not good. And I was like, why? And they were like, I don't know. We only ever see this in people who like don't eat. And then I had to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't eaten <laughs> in like three weeks. <laughs> so I had absolutely no appetite.
0: Yeah.
1: And they were like, oh yeah, that'll do it to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was just constant moments like that in the hospital. Every three to four hours they come in and they draw my blood and they take my vitals for four days, like non-stop wow. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um And they, yeah, so my appendix ruptured and that's why it got so severely infected because it went untreated for so long and they can't opt, they can't do the operation to take the appendix out, which is like the standard procedure because my infection was so bad. Like it was Mm. dangerous to operate. So I still just have it in my body. The organ that tried to kill me, (laughs) (laughs) is still trying to, it's just in there still. You know what they say? Yeah, what do they say?
0: Keep your friends close and your enemies <laughs> closer.
1: Yeah, so I still, <laughs> I'm still just ill. I still just have this strain. I'm on constant constant uh, medications. I got um, an extension, a, a serious extension on all of my finals because I had a medical emergency. So mm-hmm. I get to take it complete on all my classes and I actually have like a full calendar year to take my finals. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow where I'm hoping that they'll be like, let's take the tube out. I would love that, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I will say. laughs> and then once the infection is finally under control, I get to lucky me, be fortunate enough to go back to the hospital
0: to do for a couple
1: days to get my appendix out, wow. and then it'll be over. So, anyway, the moral of that story is: if you think you have appendicitis, if you have symptoms that make you Google "what does appendicitis feel like," you <laughs> should go to the ER. The you, e. should just, you should just go because if you wait, you you get yourself into a world of trouble. Things <laughs> it's way more than it's worth just going to the ER. <laughs> the end. <Ta-da. laughs> yeah. That's how my week's been. <laughs> <following that> <laughs> Rotting away in bed, being sad, being in pain, and um, waiting. Vibing. Vibing. Vibing out. You better call Saul. And hanging out.
0: Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch that. Because the final season is on Netflix now.
1: Yes. Right? Is watched that? It. Okay. Mm-hmm. it was awesome. Highly recommend
0: because I I, w- I was an avid watcher up until halfway through season five, which I mm-hmm. was watching live, okay. um, and then something happened where I stopped watching it live. I don't remember exactly what, and then I just have not seen any more of the show since then. <laughs> throughout <laughs> when season five came out, throughout when season uh, like on streaming, when season six came out live, <laughs> and when season six is now out on Netflix, so now I got to watch the whole thing.
1: It was awesome. It was a really great conclusion to the show. And a really great uh, transition into Breaking Bad because it's a prequel. So they do kind of mesh the stories
0: really well. Nice. I'm excited to, to watch it. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think the last time we talked, I had not gotten my Spanish placement yet, which did happen.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, uh, um, yeah. It's so exciting.
0: Which I was eagerly anticipating because I think from now, things start moving. So. Um. Yeah, yeah, so I'll be. So exciting. I'm excited. I'm starting to get real excited about it to kind of start to start like actually prepping and planning. Um, but I'll be working at a high school, which is what I was hoping for uh, nice. in Alcorcon, which is a suburb that's outside of the city center of Madrid. Nice,
1: um,
0: which is what I was hoping for. And the school is actually in the same block as the local football team stadium. Oh, cool. Which was super exciting for me because I was really looking forward to finding like a, a smaller local team. Yeah. Um, Or just a local team. And it's actually super cool because I've, I've looked up this team, AD Alcorcon, mm-hmm. and they are in first place in the third division, which means that as long as they close out the season on a good note, then they'll be playing in the second division of Spanish football next year
1: so cool
0: um, and I'm really excited and I want to go to lots of games um, and that's the most exciting specific thing about the placement because it was something that I was going to look into and it turns out the school that I'm going to be teaching at is right next to directly next to the stadium which is <laughs> super cool
1: yeah congratulations that is seriously so exciting
0: I'm excited about it I'm glad and, you got
1: a high school too
0: yeah um, I think it's going to be a good a good thing, and I'm getting hyped up for it.
1: Yeah, you should be. It is so exciting. Uh, <laughs> the, a couple days before I landed myself in the hospital, I did my first day of substitute teaching. I think I mentioned that I like got yeah officially as a sub. I did. I subbed for a middle school art class, which I thought was going to be so fun and awesome. Oh, it was awesome. not so fun and awesome. Oh, I will no. never sub a middle school again. <laughs> they are. Horrible.
0: Mid- <laughs> middle schoolers important. are rancid. I gotta yeah. say.
1: Yeah, it was a really rough day. Uh, so I'm very relieved that you're teaching in high school. I think that that's probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think being a sub at a middle school also is probably exponentially worse yeah. than teaching normally they were because very
1: much aware that I could not give them any serious consequences.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, actually, my next bit of news is kind of related because I, I. I'm in the very final stages of, of starting a new job, uh, working for tutor.com, oh, cool. uh, which is an online tutoring service. So basically I just tested for subjects that I knew. And <laughs> now once everything works out, I interviewed and got accepted and everything. And I'm like onboarding process now, but, uh, I'll help, uh, people with their problems.
1: <laughs> That's really cool. Do you have like an age age range for
0: that? No, the subjects that I've tested so far are all like humanities stuff. So either college or high school probably, Um, but I'm going to try to add some more stuff that I just know that I know. Um, And uh, while I'm waiting for them to finish everything up to get me started, I'm probably going to take a couple more subject tests Um, and basically any question that's in your subject will just pop up and you have to accept it and help them. but uh, I'm really excited about it because I hope I can ke- be able to keep it up because uh, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all online. so mm-hmm. uh, So that's been pretty exciting to kind of and, and like a little validating to <laughs> to like yeah. interview and get accepted for and, and uh, no, that's
1: totally awesome.
0: I think it'll be cool to kind of keep up my knowledge levels a little bit of some of this stuff that, that I've
1: yeah, totally. learned
0: and done because um, all the subjects I, I tested for so far uh, were related to humanities. I did a humanities minor in case anyone was curious mm-hmm. um, for my degree, and I think it's super interesting. And right. uh, I think this will be a good way to kind of keep sharp with with some of the stuff that I've learned. Uh, so. And also practice helping people out, which I will end up doing teaching. So
1: (laughs) that is awesome.
0: I'm excited about it.
1: Yay! Good times.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And now we can take our our next step forward and talk about what we read and watched in the month of April.
1: Nice.
0: So I have one book to talk about. Okay, me too. Uh, I'll let you go first, I think.
1: Okay. I finally finished um, the My Brilliant Friend series by Mm -hmm. Elena Ferrante. I I read the last book this month and it took me a while. I actually just finished it earlier today because it really, the series really lost steam for me. The Mm -hmm. first three that I talked about, I loved um, and I was so invested in it. And I was reading them like fairly quickly, even though they're long because I just kind of... I just cared a lot. And this last one just fell off, dude. Oh I, no. The so the whole series follows the this friendship between these two women in Italy mm-hmm. um from like the time that they're in elementary school to the time that they're old women, which I love. I love like a lifelong story. Yeah. Like that aspect of it, it was so fun. And I still like I, I think of the series as a whole, like really Highly, They're very well written. And what I loved about them so much was like the authenticity of the friendship between these two women and how interesting they both are um, and how much I could see like myself and my own relationships in them. But in this last one, when they're old, the narrator character, who's like one of the friends in, in this friend dynamic, became unbearably unlikable to me (laughs) so that just kind of sucked like that's just and I don't know if she was supposed to be or what but she Kind of falls in love with this man who just sucks, and mm. she puts him above her friendship with this woman and above her daughters, which is just an unforgivable sin to me. I yeah. <laughs> just like I could not get over my anger towards her, and I hated trying to read her justifications for what she was doing and her like her rationale for all of it and claiming that she's like still a good mom and she's still putting her kids first. Like I was just bitter. I was so angry reading it, and then. Uh, this last book kind of it's called the story of the Lost child because it centers around this tragedy that befalls her best friend. The other character, uh, her daughter is kidnapped when she's only four and they never they never see her again. Mm. And the way that the narrator main character had just like such a lack of empathy and understanding for her friend and was just like incapable of showing up for her when she was grieving the loss of her daughter just pissed me off and I just kept waiting throughout the whole book for it to be reconciled for it to get like called out for Lila my favorite of the two to be like oh you're a shitty friend and a shitty mom (laughs) and for her to like really realize that but it just kind of never happened and then the books end and they're not on speaking terms with each other they're like old ladies and Lila has disappeared from Elena's life and that's it the books end and I was like man that was just really not a satisfying conclusion to the story and maybe I'll feel differently like I don't know maybe later in life I'll be like no that just makes sense for like the way that friendships go in older age or something I have no idea but reading it now I was like man you suck Elena (laughs) I'm mad at you (laughs) and I wish that you had done better by your daughters and by your best friend uh, so I don't know. It was just really disappointing, and it was hard for me to get through. It was my least favorite of the four mm-hmm. by far.
0: That's a bummer.
1: It is. Oh well, you live and you learn, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, I think I made a joke about how the the last book will be so bad that it ruins the whole <laughs> yeah. series. Uh, you which were it right. seems, Did it? Ru- <laughs> I thought you you said that you still like the the other.
1: Yeah. No, I wouldn't say it ruins. Much. What came before it. If I had to give like the series as a whole a rating, I'd probably give it like a four out of five. Mm -hmm. Some of them being really good. and this one being not so good. But I don't know. It's just such like a sprawling tale of friendship overall, which I really appreciated. I like all the different like complexities and stuff that come up over the course of their very long relationship. I like the political background of the book and kind of like the feminist conversations like it did it gave me a lot to think about and overall i'm glad that i read all four of them but nice yeah i wish there was a stronger conclusion yeah
0: is is there some part of it that's like makes it feel doubly disappointing that it ends like that because then it's like (laughs) well we did all this only to get to this dumb ending yeah it does
1: like i put a lot of time into it you know and I cared a lot. And then they just kind of broke. I like, I feel like I put a lot of trust into this author to be mm. like, carry me home with this like friendship between them, I guess. And then she just broke my trust. She was like, I yeah. here's these beloved characters that you were, I know you're rooting for both of them. I'm going to fuck one of them up. <laughs> <laughs> <Like that. laughs> Why would you do that? That's just not nice.
0: Yeah. Not cool. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, let's see. The book that I read this month, last month, is called Zoetrope All Story, which is or Francis Ford Coppola's Zoeotrope All Story, which is actually a magazine that is still published today. That's right. what I learned. It's it's a short story magazine. I think it's um, half yearly <laughs> or else quarterly, but it's just a short stories and so I guess the magazine started in 97 or so this book came out in 2000 and it's kind of a a highlight of, of some of the best stories that had been featured in the magazine up to that point cool and they were really good uh Francis Ford Coppola does a little intro to this book and kind of talks about the the mission statement of the magazine um which is cool it's all about stories not really screenplays. Um, and there's a lot of, of, of plays on the themes of like a short story, a good length short story is like the perfect framework for a feature more so than any novel would be. Um, and so there's, there's a number of these stories were made into movies, but that's not necessarily the point. It's just the best of short fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's a that's a really cool concept, and I'm and I'm super interested in the magazine. And most of these stories are are actually really good and just fun reads, engaging, nice reads. And I just I hadn't read like a a a novel length short story collection that was all different people before. I don't think I think in when I have it's it's usually been. Uh, one author, a collection of of one author's stories. Yeah. Um. So this was super cool because each one is a new adventure completely, and it's you know you read it in one sitting and it's like the perfect length. So I tore through this book super quickly. Oh, nice. Um. And I just read like one a day. Uh. And it was awesome. I love short stories, and I want to read more collections of short stories because I think it's satisfying to me, and also. Probably just because in this one it's it's kind of a bit of the point in some ways of of kind of visualizing it and uh, making making little movies in my head as I'm reading mm-hmm. um, for some of these I, I definitely felt pretty strongly about about how I would shoot something like this um, and I think that concept is super cool and uh the collection they chose for this book definitely highlights that and I'm sure that that's the case with uh, the magazine so if it wasn't more money that I would have to spend, then I, I, I would consider kind of but getting a subscription and, and and reading more short stories. But the way I see it, there's there's so much out there that I can read in the in the other like formats, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was super glad that I read it. I found this. I I, I bought it kind of randomly at a bookstore uh, and got around to reading it, and I'm glad I did. It was so fun.
1: Yay. That's awesome.
0: And uh, I want to read more short fiction. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. And that's what we read this month.
1: (laughs) Go us. Now I'm going back to Game of Thrones, which I ironically kind of think is another long series that I'm going to put a lot of time into just to be (laughs) let down Mm. in the end.
0: Well, it it seems like he's never going to write the last It does seem that way, huh? That's word on the street is.
1: Yeah. But I am having fun reading the first Yeah. There's
0: that. There you go. Cool. All right. Let's talk about some movies now. Cool. How about it? Let's do it um so for my as far as my goals go because i we said that we would update on yearly goals on the Mm -hmm. wrap-up um i was able to watch at least one movie from all the decades this month oh nice uh, which i didn't keep up in february but maybe also march i don't remember but i did this month it all worked out um and also my other goal was that i would have by the end of the year watched 40 percent of this year's. Um, they shoot pictures. Don't they list, uh, yeah. which was not out at the time, but it came out at the beginning of April. So yeah. I have the list. I know what I, what I should be watching. Oh, good. Um, so I have started on that and I'm at 34%. So I have a, a oh good gosh. bit of movies to watch, um, over the rest of the year. So I think I'm going to try to watch mostly stuff from that when I'm just like picking things to watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's a great variety on there. So I'm kind of starting to add some of those to my watch list and I've seen some of uh, this month and I guess last month and also this month already. So it's uh, it's in progress. Nice. Um, Cool. So I guess we'll start out. Uh, So the first thing I saw is called will success spoil rock Hunter. This is a, a movie from 1957 and it's a comedy movie. Starring Jane Mansfield, um, and it's quite silly. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of like meta comedy, I guess I'd say, where they're just constantly pointing out the fact that you're watching a movie, and the actors will stop being their characters and be themselves for a little bit to talk to you, the audience directly, and fun little gags like that that are a little bit uh, cool. Weird, weird and cool and be like hmm um, but I thought it was super cool nice
1: that was super cool
0: um, I don't know what the, I, I watched this so long ago now I, yeah. I liked it but I don't know how much how much more I have to say about it um, it was good it wasn't anything I mean besides the fun kind of playfulness and like the structure and form it was just a fun, silly comedy, but uh, I give it a 7 out of 10, and I nice. liked it. I'd say go check it out. <laughs> Apparently, the same team did another one that's more well-known called The Girl Can't Help It, which came out, I guess, the year before. Um, So I don't know how much of this is like rehashing stuff from that, but I want to check that out now. Uh, nice. So I, I don't know if I can recommend this one over that, but on its own merit, I like this one a lot. That's called. Will success spoil Rock Hunter? <laughs> nice. Um, so the next one I saw is called Pusher. This is Nicholas Winding Refn, uh, the director of Drive. Uh, it was his first oh, feature, yeah. um, set in his native Denmark, following drug dealer guy. Uh, this is before he adopted some of his his more trademark y kind of style. And uh, I don't, don't have too much to say about this one. A lot of people seem to really like it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel super groundbreaking to me, but it was a fun watch. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I got to the point where characters were just being dumb and annoying for no reason. <laughs> which, hate that. which sometimes really bugs me and other times doesn't. Um, and it was just kind of in, in between on this one for me. But it was still a captivating and engaging watch. And uh, that just maybe fizzled out towards the end, but then the ending was super good, oh, nice. which is I'm I'm always a sucker for a good ending. I mean, just, <laughs> like the last scene of this was awesome.
1: Okay,
0: um, but this one's also a seven out of ten for me. Very nice. Yeah.
1: Um. The first thing I watched this month, which feels like a lifetime ago now, I saw. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You've
0: lived a lot since then. I know.
1: I'm a changed person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I saw the, gen- the Dungeons and Dragons movie, honor mm-hmm. among thieves in the theater, which, uh, I really succeeded in my goal this month. I think of going to the theater or every week, maybe until I went to the hospital. Yeah. I saw a handful. Classic. of before One of them being Dungeons and Dragons. Um, which I like is a movie that I don't think I would have gone to see had I not just gotten a movie theater membership that was like pushing me to go mm, see whatever mm-hmm. was being put out. So I don't know. It's, it's fun to go see something like because of the membership and then end up liking it. So all that to say, I did yeah. like.
0: It. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I like the tensions. You love to hear.
1: It. Yeah. Um. It was really cute. It was funnier than I expected it to be. And it was also a lot more clever than I expected it to be. Like, I kind of thought it would just be like silly action and like fantasy and stuff, but Mm -hmm. it's a gang of, you know, like misfit bandit people who are all smart in their own way and all kind of have their own goal, which I really like. Like, that's like a really fun construct for a movie. Like that kind of tends to work for me every time they're all pretty morally gray they're all like really, really clever. And I love, I just, I get like such a rush when a very clever solution is proposed in a movie. I don't, why it happens multiple times in this movie where they're like oh how are we gonna solve this problem and then one of them is like i figured it out and then there's like a montage of a very a plan that i never would have pieced together Mm. and i'm like oh they're so smart i'm so glad they're gonna get away with this i love that kind of thing and it happens multiple times in this movie so i really appreciated that about it i gave it a seven out of ten i thought it was quite fun the humor like worked for me and uh, also, the special effects were like really cool and good. There's like a lot of fun mythical creatures in there.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah, I've heard I've heard lots of good things about that one.
1: Yeah, I liked it more than I expected to.
0: Cool. And then after Charlie's Angels, I watched Control, <laughs> which is 2007 picture directed by Anton Corbin. I think is how you'd say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is basically like. A good friend and also like a photographer of a lot of the people that, well, I guess Joy Division specifically, that's what this movie's about. But yeah. uh, he's like a big name in the music scene, apparently. I didn't know about him until reading more about this movie. And uh, Control. Yeah. So I have no idea how to, how I feel about this one. I thought parts of it were really good and other parts just felt, maybe not disrespectful, but just like a little off. Um, it's about follows Ian Curtis um, lead singer, of joy division who uh, killed himself on the eve of their American tour after they'd released only their second album. And were really starting to, to, to get re- real big kind of blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of this comes from, or like my, my reaction to it comes from, the I saw a documentary that actually came out the same year in 2007 uh, when I was in Prague. I watched the documentary and, and learned kind of all the, all the facts of the case from that. Mm-hmm. And then watching this, I felt a little disconnected from like the band, even though this was a lot better done than most musician biopics, which have kind of just become. A, a thing where there's like a set format and this wasn't like that. And that was refreshing on the one hand. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it was trying to, to say or, or really do. And um, cause there are certain things that, that felt a little bit at odds with, with the, the image I had in my head based on the documentary, which I think did a, a pretty great job at, at conveying everything. Um, and this gets parts of it, I think, right compared to that but but other parts just feel a little weird to me Mm -hmm. um so i didn't really know how to feel about it but i i I guess i respected it for it was but uh think it it might have fumbled a little bit in in some areas but still did well in others so not sure i gave it a seven out of ten um and i think people should should check it out but i would probably recommend the documentary above it which i think is just called joy division if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. um yeah it's kind of an interesting thing because the the band is, is, is born and dies alongside Ian Curtis. Well, it wasn't born he was brought on a little bit after, but uh it, it makes for an interesting thing because the same guys who were, were all in Joy Division went ahead and kept making music together under the name New Order and got super famous in their own right as that band. Um, so like the framework is definitely like Joy Division is Ian Curtis and he in in the story kind of ends with him. Um, right. So I think that aspect was, was kind of interesting just in how it, how each, both the the narrative movie and the documentary are framed. Gotcha. Um, and then I watched John wick chapter four. I saw, I actually went to the theater twice this month, which is nice. good. I had some more time cause I wasn't, my job had ended at the beginning of April. So mm-hmm. I love John Wick 4. I think it is the best one. It was so good. Nice. That this is what action movies should be like.
1: <laughs> I've never seen any of them, but the way that people have been talking about John Wick 4 has made me want to watch all four of them.
0: Yeah. I would say so the first one is very different from the ne- the following three. Mm-hmm. Um and I like the first one. I had probably still like the first one the best because it was just so I love a good, simple movie, (laughs) (laughs) I guess just in that it knows exactly what it's trying to do and it accomplishes it. And that's easier to do if you're kind of pair down, like are more like laser focused. And I think that's John Wick is a good example of that. Um, and then as it kind of expands the world and it introduces more stuff and gets a little sillier, uh, it, there's some parts that I liked about it because the action is, has been consistently good uh, and other things that I didn't. Um, but I think this one nails all of it. It starts off, the, the first kind of big set, it's like two and a half hours long, but it goes by, it just has so much good momentum. It's under seventy minutes long. I didn't even realize it was that long because it doesn't feel, it just f- keeps going from start to finish. the The opening kind of big set piece Felt a lot like the the big finish from part three, and then it just gets crazy and crazier from there. It was so it's <laughs> so good. I, I was so happy with it. I don't That's know awesome. the experience, movie theater experience of the year so far. the The tone that this one gets is so works so well. I think because uh, it's not too silly. It, it's it's kind of uh, badass and, and a bit silly at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I think there there are moments before where the the goofiness didn't quite work with what it was doing, I guess. But I think this one really nails kind of, finds the, the, the perfect tone, ba- mm. the tonal balance where it can be pretty badass and also kind of silly.
1: Nice.
0: And also kind of silly how badass it is like presenting itself <laughs> as. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I just think it, it did it really well. And I think that that specifically that's what was kind of missing from maybe parts two and three. uh, That's super solidified in this one. Plus the action is gets elevated and and is crazier. But I really, really loved this one. I give it a nine out of 10.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Another movie I saw in the movie theater this month was paint (laughs) the Bob Ross s
0: oh yeah yeah. Uh, (laughs) i forgot that had came out
1: (laughs) yeah with owen wilson uh i did not like it that much but i also i don't know it was just all right i gave it a six out of ten it's just not it just i don't understand what they were trying to do or Mm. say with this because it's not about bob ross and In their defense, they never claim that it's about Bob Ross, but it is about a guy who looks exactly like Bob Ross doing a painting show, making paintings that look like Bob Ross's paintings. Uh So I, I don't know. You just kind of get the impression that like they wanted to do a Bob Ross movie and they couldn't for whatever reason. I think that his family is like extremely private about him and they wouldn't like give the rights to his story or, or his name or anything. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So then they made this movie, but like the whole plot of this movie is that Carl Nargle, the Bob Brass character, oh. <laughs> is um kind of washed up and not actually that talented. And he's he paints the exact same mountain every single time that he paints and like, they're just okay. And people like him for his vibe, but that'll only last so long. And he's just starting to get replaced by newer and more innovative artists. And he's dealing with that. And he kind of has a big ego about it. And I just, am like, that is just so rude.
0: <laughs> yeah. For real.
1: Because that's just not even kind of the truth of Bob Ross's legacy. Like he, He was extremely talented. Like I just watching this movie does not do justice to Bob Ross's actual art at all or his lifestyle or the message that he was sending, I guess, you know, like I don't I don't know. It was just a really weird way to go about telling Mm -hmm. a story like this. And then it didn't actually say anything new or important about like creativity or anything at all. It wasn't that funny. It was just kind of like, why did you do?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'd rather just watch Bob Ross. Like I, <laughs> I love Bob Ross, and he is he is gen such a genuine talent, and is like technique his effortless technique and his love and appreciation for nature that like shines through in every very unique painting he does those are the things that have given him such a timeless legacy and this movie chose to just not acknowledge that whatsoever and even kind of try to like erase it it was weird i really Hmm. don't know what compelled them to do that and i didn't like it Um, but it also, you know, if you just like detach Bob Ross from it, it's like not a bad movie. It's just kind of forgettable and boring. And then at the end of the movie, they kind of imply that Bob Ross is actually Banksy, (laughs) which I think is very funny. (laughs) He's like secretly like, I don't know. Hmm. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so there, there were like a handful of moments and jokes that were funny to me. Uh, but overall it just didn't. Really do anything? I don't really recommend.
0: I got you. <laughs> and it seems I don't know if I feel like it flew under the radar. I saw the trailer for it, and I said, yeah. "Hmm." And then I saw that it was out, and then I never saw it, and I haven't heard from it since. <laughs> until <laughs> until today. Interesting, <laughs> but uh, that does feel yeah a little a little bit weird. Um, maybe just like they're cashing in on because I feel like Bob Ross has been pretty popular recently yeah I know, th- I know they it was like when they first started it was a big deal and i think it's sometimes on but there's a twitch channel that just streamed bob ross um the Drive yeah. painting like 24 7
1: me and adam watch it like pretty frequently when we're hanging nice. out just as, like background noise it's very relaxing
0: awesome there you <laughs> go
1: yeah when we're like cooking dinner and stuff, we'll kind of just like have that on, and then you just it's so the funnest part of like having Bob Ross on in the background is that you like take a look and it's like huh, what the heck is this painting yeah. gonna become? And then you walk walk out of the room for like five minutes and you come back, and it is not at all, <laughs> it started. like he's yeah. so fast, and he just gets a whole beautiful scene in there immediately. It's crazy. I love yeah. I love Bob Ross and this movie. I just got the vibe that the people who made this movie do not love Bob Ross. And mm-hmm. that is fair to me.
0: I gotcha. And when he draws a big fat line on the front of the screen or the front of the canvas, and you're like, no, what are you doing? And then, <laughs> and then two minutes later, it's a nice, pretty tree.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and he'll always go, what the heck? Gonna- <laughs> 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 I love it. Son of a gun.
0: <laughs> Beat the devil out of it. Mm-hmm. I
1: like that one.
0: um the next one i watched was actually the the first one that i watched for my t s acronyms aren't really quicker if you have to like spell out the word and (laughs) the my they shoot pictures don't they list Mm -hmm. um which is called the naked kiss by samuel fuller this came out in 1964 but it honestly looks and it just looks like a like a studio picture like a kind of a noir studio picture um but by virtue of being made in the 60s it, it can tackle some uh, some more kind of heavier subject matter pretty frankly um but basically it follows a lady who used to be a prostitute who is making out a new life for herself mm-hmm um and kind of the problems that that arise from that and it was, it was a little unexpected in how i handled it it didn't go the route that i was necessarily thinking um which was a good thing and i was surprised by a couple twists and turns of it um but i thought it was super interesting super good also um <laughs> just in, in kind of how it how it like frames some of the stuff and and how it presented itself because i thought the direction was super cool and it's definitely like kind of i don't know yeah like it felt like a like a studio hollywood studio film um and i think part of that is it it played up kind of the the artifice of it i guess i'd say um not in a super like obvious or exaggerated way but kind of yeah it it just felt like a a little bit melodramatic um, and I think the way it kind of did that made it feel like a, like a, like a parable or, or, or fable kind of, mm. um, and how, and how it was presenting itself. And I thought that that worked super well for this one. And, uh, it was, it was cool because this is one that I don't, I hadn't heard of before seeing it on the list. So I said, Hmm. And then I watched it and really liked it. So, so, uh, there you have it. The naked kiss. Nice. And then the next one I watched was Beetlejuice.
1: I love that movie,
0: which is a fun and great movie. I didn't realize how short it was. I guess I'd say Um, I've been noticing this recently. When I have the the recent Tim Burton movies that I've rewatched that Mm -hmm. I had last seen when I was smaller, Mm -hmm. um, feel shorter than than i remember and uh this happened when i watched the corpse bride i don't remember if i talked about it on here or not but uh that was just something that i noticed and not that i liked it less but i think beetlejuice is improved on by how kind of simple it is in in telling it because it's it feels like it's such a completed world (laughs) that's only just kind of being presented a little bit like the rest is all there and then you just get to see this story that's set in this world, without having to call attention to like the bigger world, mm-hmm. I guess you know yeah. you, you yeah. feel like you're just in, in a small part of a of a bigger kind of well thought out thing that 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 actually exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but that if you saw, it wouldn't be as good. If that makes sense?
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense.
0: Yeah, like the by implying that there's more there. It feels like there is,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but if you actually tried to define the rest of everything else, it would get tedious and/or fall flat pretty quickly. And I think that's probably the, the coolest thing about this one. Um, yeah, it's it's just a Tim Burton kind of creation that I think is is really well done, and it feels like a cartoon, a live action cartoon. <laughs> that I think is a really unique vibe and I really love it in this one.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Eight out of 10 for Beetlejuice.
1: Nice. The next movie I saw was also an eight out of 10 for me. And it's another movie. I saw in the movie theater before I went to the hospital when I was really on top of my game. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, I saw air. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Jason Bateman and. The other people mm. <laughs> he's like not even the star of that movie but he was the most important to me because I mm-hmm. love Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman it also had coolest. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck
0: oh um, yeah yeah. The, yeah the Nike one okay
1: yes yeah it is the story of the creation of the Air Jordan and how Nike signed Michael Jordan um it was good it was riveting like they made it I went into it kind of like I really like this cast and by this cast I mean Jason Bateman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice.
1: Um, and I don't know this story at all. And if it's like interesting enough to make a movie out of then, that's cool. And I'm excited to learn it. But I also don't care that much about like sports or shoes. So I don't know how much I'm the target audience for this movie. Yeah. But they did they got me to care a lot about the shoes. Like they really pull that off well. If you go in as a person who doesn't know anything about the Air Jordan or any shoes at all. They still make you care. They get you to care a lot nice. <laughs> about the Air Jordan. So I think that they did a really good job with it. Uh they told the story well. And the other thing that was really cool about it to me was that I just had no idea how much this story of Michael Jordan signing with Nike like revolutionized the way that athletes are compensated for their branding, I guess, their name. Like Michael Jordan getting the Air Jordan. Uh, was the first time ever that uh, an athlete was going to get like a percentage of each shoe that was sold, you know, with its name on it. And that completely changed the game. Like athletes were not making all that much money up until then, or at least, you know, nothing like what Michael Jordan made off of the Air Jordan. And it was because like his mom pushed for that, like fully, it it was so unprecedented. Like all the people at Nike were like, that has just never been done. That's not the way that this happens. Mm. And Michael Jordan's mom was like, I do not care. It's his name. And he will, like, he needs to, like, have a legacy because he can't be an athlete forever. Being an athlete is not actually, like, a sustainable career. You know, you can only do it for so many years. And uh, it was genuinely amazing and really interesting to think about that in, like, a way that I've never thought about it before and how uh i don't know like the financial sustainability of a career in sports and stuff plays out that way and how Mm. michael jordan's mom (laughs) like didn't know anything about shoes or anything was like this is how it's gonna be and she won and they gave it to her and then the the shoe was amazing their partnership and their collaboration has been amazing ever since uh it was it was a really cool story and i'm glad that they decided to make this kind of random movie out of it It's sort of small, even though it's got this huge cast. Like, I feel like it wasn't advertised all that much at all, uh, but it was good. I gave it an eight out of ten. I really liked it, and I would recommend it. It was cool. Nice. Yeah. Let's
0: see, the next one I watched was the Baz Luhrmann Great Gatsby movie. Oh,
1: nice! From twenty thirteen,
0: <laughs> I had never seen this one, and I have. It's been around in in the periphery of my life for a while. I said, you know what? It was available to watch somewhere. I don't even remember now, mm-hmm. but I said, it's, it's time to watch it. Mm-hmm. What a weird movie. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't understand most of the decisions made in regards to like about this. No. One. Um,
1: It is so bizarre.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just think it misses the point of the book completely. And yeah. And kind of every way (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it was like completely awful there was good elements to it but it just felt so disjointed and like maybe out of tune. it's like did i don't think baz lerman read the book (laughs) he just
1: got the vibe
0: i really don't like i think someone just told him about it and he said ah you know what (laughs) i see a vision in my head I'm going to make my um, great Gatsby. Yeah. Like, well, it's yeah. <laughs> like the, the things that it emphasized and just like the way that it dealt with the themes. It was just super heavy handed in some ways and just kind of missing the point in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting watch and I'm glad that I've seen it, but, uh, I don't think I was missing too much beforehand. It's just one that was just nice to see once, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll read the book and I, it'll take me like an hour longer, an hour or two longer than it would to watch the movie (laughs) and it would be better spent. (laughs) Um, I don't think I'm it's completely so- terrible, though. I gave it a 5 out of 10.
1: Okay. I remember liking it when I was in high school, but feeling the same way. Just being like, that is just like hardly The Great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah. But I love uh, the Lana song that came from that movie. Mm,
0: that, that scene that, that the, the song plays, I think, is mm-hmm. the best part of the movie, maybe.
1: It, it was an excellent choice to ask her to do a song for yeah. that.
0: Yeah, perfect, there you
1: perfect go. vibe match.
0: And I think it just goes downhill from there because I think there's, I think it misses the point in kind of the beginning party scenes, but it's fun to watch.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that, true.
0: That, that part, uh, and then when it gets to kind of like the events that that spiral from towards yeah. the end of the book, it just felt really bad to like I was not enjoying watching the movie any yeah. anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, now I've seen it. Nice. And then the next one I watched was Mildred Pierce. This is a Michael Curtiz noir cool. uh, from 1945, starring Joan Crawford as a mother having to deal with her daughter who is a witch. Nice. My I love my letter, but not actually a witch. Just the the worst. Oh. <laughs> not not a witch in a good way. Not an actual. Oh. Um, no. Not like an I Married a Witch. Mm. <laughs> um i my letterbox review i'm pretty proud of my letterbox review so i'm gonna read it out loud now are you ready
1: mm-hmm.
0: arguably more about giving birth to the devil than rosemary's baby
1: <laughs> that which, is really good
0: which i would argue because i don't think that's <laughs> necessarily what rosemary's baby is about but uh basically it's it takes the noir concept um of kind of this this femme fatale that that leads you to ruin and says, "What if it is your own daughter that you feel an obligation, you know, as as her mother to mm-hmm. towards?" Um, and she just ruins a lot of stuff for huh. for Miss Joan That's Crawford.
1: That's super interesting. Like I would like this movie.
0: Yeah, I think you would too, actually. Um, Mildred Pierce herself is super cool the most likable character in the movie. Um, and everyone around her is, is kind of, is kind of iffy and kind of sleazy in one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's uh, some sinister characters that she hangs around. Um, and I guess I wouldn't want to get into it too much because I don't want to give anything away. Cause I think it's, it's a fun one to kind of just jump into. Um, but it was definitely different from a lot of other noir pictures i've seen uh and i thought all the differences were refreshing um and yeah eight out of ten for mildred pierce a high eight though (laughs)
1: Nice.
0: which i'm realizing now that i'm talking about it that i liked it quite a bit
1: (laughs) thing that i watched was a comedy special I feel like I used to talk about comedy specials in the wrap-ups quite a bit more than I do nowadays, but I finally watched another one. Because
0: you're spending so much time at the theater. I know. That's how they get you.
1: It, for real. <laughs> <laughs> i got a freaking movie theater membership now. <laughs> I'm serious.
0: Yeah, tell me when they show comedy at the yeah. movie theater, am I right?
1: <laughs> um, but I watched John Mulaney's new special, Baby J, like, the second that it came out, basically mm. on Netflix. I'm a longtime fan of John Mullaney. I've always just liked his humor. It's just kind of resonated with me. I think because he was also raised Catholic. When you're raised Catholic and the comedian was raised Catholic, like <laughs> I don't know, there's just a bond. There's an understanding there that is so funny. Uh yeah, so I've always I liked agree. him. Yeah. <laughs> And I was pretty nervous to see this special because of how much extremely public drama he's been in since his last special. Like, he, I mean, for one thing, he had a like severe addiction problem and he went to rehab over that. But also, he got very publicly like divorced and then like the very next second was like having a baby with like the person that like probably he cheated on his wife with. And like, that's all crazy. So I was really nervous that the special would. Go like one of two ways, which is not touching on those things at all, you know, and just sort Mm -hmm. of pretending like there's absolutely no difference in him as a person between like his last special now or touching Mm -hmm. on those things too much in a way that feels like disrespectful to the other people who were like involved in the situation. So I was nervous going into it, but I'm happy to report that in my (laughs) humble opinion, it towed that line perfectly like it it was just excellently done i think it was so thoughtful and well crafted it is mostly about his experience uh facing his addiction having a star-studded intervention <laughs> <with other> comedians <laughs> and celebrities and going to rehab and it is not at all about uh his like divorce and his more like interpersonal relationship drama uh, mm. which i was so relieved like i really don't want to hear jokes about that type of thing you know because it's so personal to everybody who yeah. is so I was just glad that he just didn't you know it, it felt like personal enough to where he's like I'm very much acknowledging that I <laughs> like a lot has changed since the last time he saw me and it was also respectful and kept what needed to be kept private private so, I really liked that and I really appreciated it. And I also thought, like, it was so genuinely funny. I was laughing out loud the mm-hmm. entire time. Like, it, I just, I don't know, I just really like his humor. It was very darker. It was a lot darker in this one, a lot heavier, but also just still, still like, so authentically, like, deeply funny. And I love it. I just think he's very smart and very thoughtful. Uh, and it's cool to see him kind of, like, use that for this like deeper level of introspection after everything he, he's gone through and after struggling with addiction for so long. So mm. I loved it And I highly recommend I gave it a 10 out of 10.
0: Nice. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I I might go watch that tonight. I don't know if I'll, I'll feel up to watching a whole
1: movie, It's
0: <laughs> probably about an hour long, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. I've been meaning to.
1: I recommend that was awesome.
0: Very nice. Um, uh, so from Nicholas Winding Ruffin's first movie to his most recent project, which is a Netflix miniseries called Copenhagen Cowboy. We're back in Denmark. His career went all around uh, place to place <laughs> and we've landed back in Denmark.
1: Nice.
0: Um, so this one I actually started a while ago and then just, I don't really watch TV shows. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> uh, or like long form TV shows, I guess. Mm hmm. Um, so I came back to this one. I didn't start it over, but I watched the last few episodes. It's only six episodes long. I think I watched the first two or three and then watched the rest. But uh, it's super cool. I think it's a nice balance. Not a culmination of everything that he's done before, but a sampling. You you can see, you get to see what he's all about, I think. And uh, it, it came off pretty well, uh, in my opinion. Um, because I, I've had a weird relationship with this director through the stuff that I've watched of his. Um, I think the first thing I saw from him was Drive, which is one of my absolute favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't felt above a yeah, it was pretty good mm-hmm. for any of his other stuff. And there's been a couple that I've actively disliked. Mm-hmm. Um so this one is a nice one in that, yeah, I liked it. A, it was i i don't know if I loved it maybe I, I don't know it was it was a good one it was more than it was pretty good it was a t- solid fun time a TV show that I actually watched and didn't regret it <laughs> okay, um, awesome. yeah there's a lot of of discussion about about this director and uh I don't know how controversial he is but he's just definitely like either like him or don't like him and uh i decided that i like him i guess
1: okay cool (laughs) yeah i'm glad you like him
0: um but don't always know what to make or make of his his stuff a lot of the times and i think this one is a lot more cryptic and i like that it was cryptic um because i think sometimes he's not saying a whole lot and that's easier masked when you are super vague about what you're saying. Because <laughs> um, I watched the Neon Demon, which is his most recent feature movie he made, um, which the 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 themes of it were, were pretty basic and surface level. And it looked super pretty and was like weird in a fun way and kind of also really gross way. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you're so transparent with what is going on here. So I really like how he's... He did another series which i think is a lot longer uh which i hope to watch at some point too uh for amazon called too old to die young but uh, this one was was a nice one um to watch and i might try to watch some more of his stuff and get a more complete opinion because he's such an interesting kind of character and figure that uh as i'm trying to define how i feel about him running in circles it seems which is mm-hmm. kind of fun. I don't know how many people I feel <laughs> that way about. Um, usually, usually it's, you know, I'll, I'll only watch a lot of someone's stuff if I like what I've seen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him, it's been really hit or miss, I think, but it's always interesting.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll leave it there
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> until I watch more stuff. Uh, And then I went to the theaters again and saw a new movie, I guess, new to America movie Susume, which is an an animated feature uh, by Makoto Shinkai. And uh, I really liked it. Nice. It was nice. I hadn't seen. So this guy is, is probably kind of, I don't know if I maybe quite go as far to say is that he's the, the, the new generation uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Because I think he doesn't, he's not as uh, encompassing as Miyazaki did in in his stuff. (laughs) But uh, he's definitely like probably the biggest name uh, animated director who's working in original features. Because I think a lot of the anime movies that come out are like related to like long running manga slash anime series. Mm. Um, But he's consistently put out um, original stories. Uh, The most famous being Your Name, which I think has like super good rating. is his highest rated as well, Uh, which I actually haven't seen. I haven't seen any of his other like super (laughs) popular movies because he did Your Name. um, And then on the wave of that weathering with you, which I remember coming out and was kind of a big deal when it came out. So it was Mm -hmm. cool to see this one, Susume, um, which is kind of a, a, a fantastical story. Kind of along the lines of of a Miyazaki world, except it's dealing with uh, rather than war as kind of its biggest theme, it's dealing with uh, natural disasters and Japan's relationship with natural disasters. Specifically, this one was specifically centered uh, or kind of the elephant in the room, uh, the Fukushima disaster of of 2011, um, which is kind of referenced in this one. Um and kind of how national trauma and personal trauma intersect related to, to kind of this these natural disasters which seem to
1: yeah.
0: keep happening,
1: yeah
0: um, and so I thought that element of it was super well done, but uh, there's like a weird kind of romance ish thing running alongside it that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't uh it felt a little bit of... Doing the same thing over and again a couple times, um, before moving on to to more stuff. I guess it, it could have been like maybe trimmed down a little bit. But that being said, it was so gorgeously animated. It was such a fun adventure. It was kind of like it felt a lot like a road movie, because mm-hmm. um, the the characters kind of work from the south of Japan to not quite the farthest north, but just northward, going from place to place. Um, and, oh, it was such a nice watch. I'm so glad I went to the theaters and saw it and, uh, I don't know, brought the good vibes.
1: Nice. That's awesome.
0: So seven out of 10 for that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Sweet. Uh, okay. The next thing I watched this month was office space, uh, comedy from the late nineties. Um, it was really good. I liked it a lot. It was very funny. I think I gave it an eight out of 10. Um, it's just really kind of, It's ironically funny and also disheartening how relatable it still is like over 20 years later. So this movie is all about working an office job and like just the I don't know, like how mundane every day is day in and day out. And how high stakes it, it all feels when you like get in trouble when you don't do like your silly little office job task correctly, yeah. but it's not high stakes, but it's your whole life revolves around your job now, you know, and like the people in this movie are like young people who are just kind of entering the workforce and they're kind of grappling with this and being like, how am I supposed to do this meaningless stuff every single day for the rest of my life? That's kind of the plot of the movie. And then the main character gets, like, hypnotized <laughs> to be to be very relaxed and very nonchalant and cool, and he kind of strolls into his job, like, not caring anymore, and instead of getting fired, he just gets, like, endlessly promoted because it's so interesting for everybody to just kind of see a, such a fresh, like person who just doesn't care that much about anything Mm -hmm. because all these because the job like that is just so stressful for everybody that's kind of the gist of the movie and then it ends with sort of the moral of like uh yeah we (laughs) shouldn't we shouldn't like waste our lives on work and we shouldn't put that much care into it and like it's just a job whatever and it just it just sucks like how much that's still just kind of like really hit home for me and I don't Mm. even work like an office job like I'm a grad student but I still do I very much relate to doing these like mundane things day in and day out sending emails constantly that's like what is the point (laughs) what is this all for do I really have to do this every single day forever um and I don't know it's just I, I it was kind of frustrating to come to the end of it and be like man like it's just still like this. How long is our which going to make our society like this? Will we see the end of the forty-hour work week in our lifetime? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't know. but anyway, despite giving me like an existential crisis, I did really enjoy it. It is genuinely so funny. The humor of it is. Uh. Pretty timeless, which I guess is kind of like a blessing and a curse, you know? It's like, I wish it wasn't funny anymore because I wish it wasn't relatable anymore. But also, good job to them for making a movie that is still funny 20 years later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: There you go. Uh, Let's see. The next one I watched was Lost Highway. David Lynch. I don't know. It felt a lot like Mulholland Drive. Mm -hmm. It it felt like a... um, I don't know. It dealt with a lot of the same themes, but maybe not quite as developed as Mulholland Drive Driver, like quite as um, I don't know. Hmm. But uh I thought it was fun. This was from '97, I think. Yeah. Um and it 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 deals with a lot of like uh technology that's now outdated but felt like it would be more relevant in the 90s and that might contribute to why it feels a little less uh, important, I guess, as Mulholland Drive. Um, Like lots of camcorders and cord phones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to explain the plot too much because I don't mm-hmm. think that that's super relevant. Um, But it kind of jumps between split identities and, and, and realities. And it's kind of a, a mind bender. Um, it felt very nineties also, which I don't really know what that means exactly, but uh, it definitely did. See, I was never alive at any point in the nineties, but I don't know quite what to say about it. I don't want to say that it was just Mulholland drive, but not as good. Cause I think it's a great movie in it in and of itself. Um, but you know, having been influenced that and like Mulholland drive being so uh, impactful on me and important to me, uh, I kind of can't help, but, but kind of framing it, viewing it in that lens. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I really liked it. It was, it was fun. And I would revisit, um, for the, the weird feelings that that I get while watching some David Lynch stuff. So, uh, Lost Highways is a solid eight out of 10 for me. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, And then I watched it's called Fox and his friends. This is a Rainer Werner Fassbinder one, Um, which I don't know if I want to say too much about it. I just, maybe I just didn't get it. Well, I think I did get it. It just, I don't know. Movies that just are just sad just miserable and you know that it's not ever going to get any better. And then it doesn't <laughs> for some reason, just never really seemed to connect with me fully. Um, I was kind of just like reading through to, to, to see if anyone would articulate it better than me. There's a review on letterbox that was kind of talking about how um, there's, it's, it, there's, one great scene that you see over and over again in this movie. Um, but basically is this lower class guy, um, who wins the lottery and he gets in with these higher class people that just are awful to him and take advantage of him while mm-hmm. also making fun of him. Um, and they're all gay, which I, which I, which I mentioned because, uh, I think it's important. It, it's kind of cool to see, I guess. um, uh Rainer Werner Fassbinder is a German guy. Um was also gay and a lot of his characters in his movies are and it's cool to see that and it not be a theme of the movie, not be a big deal, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Um and this came out in 75. So um so that that I wanted to bring up that aspect, but it doesn't really play into kind of the whole eh, it doesn't, it doesn't, but it's not it's not as big of a theme as like th- the whole class divide. Um so yeah, I don't know I gave it a six out of ten just because at a certain point it was just like you know exactly how this is gonna go and it feels bad to watch mm, I see and something about movies that are just like that I never can quite get on board with yeah um so yeah I don't know this was on my uh thousand movies list uh, so I checked it out um and I'd seen one of his other movies before that I actually really liked so this one was just a little bit off to me I see. yeah six out of yeah. ten um yeah i don't know if i'd necessarily recommend it it's it's a tough watch <laughs> it just makes you sad
1: yeah okay yeah it was a long came polly and it sucked and i hated it a long came polly is <laughs> a rom-com from the very early 2000s starring ben stiller and jennifer aniston and i watched it because i wanted to watch something cute and funny. And I like Jennifer Aniston because she was also in Office Space and she was great in that. And it just sucked. Mm. It was just one of those where it's like there's no reason that this cool, fun-loving girl should settle for this ugly, annoying-ass guy. I've never seen such an unlikable main character love interest as Ben Stiller in that movie. I hated it. Four out of ten. You should not watch Along Came Polly, even though Jennifer Aniston is really beautiful in it.
0: (laughs) Excellent. along Kim Polly slander is in full effect. (laughs) I had never heard of that movie actually.
1: Yeah, me neither, (laughs) but I, I wish it was still that way. I wish (laughs) I,
0: I see. Cool. Won't be, won't be checking that one out. Good. Um, so that's all that we read and watched in the month of April. But surprise, so we, we watched something else that we we're going to talk about. Uh, so we felt bad about missing a week mm-hmm. and being late on the second week. But uh, mm-hmm. so we, we wanted to, to both watch a movie and talk about it.
1: And,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Bonus extra long episode. Uh, yeah.
0: So not a full and I'm, I don't know if we could talk about this movie for a full episode anyway. So it kind of worked out yeah. well.
1: Yeah, um, that's a good
0: point. But we watched Bullet Train, which came out last year. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I was interested in seeing it but I just kind of never did. This seems to happen a lot. Yeah. Um, I was also
1: interested in seeing it and I attempted to watch it while I had covid. I think I talked about this on the pod like months ago. Hmm. And then it was just one of those things where it didn't catch my interest quite enough in like the first 20 minutes before I fell asleep to revisit it <laughs> until this week.
0: What did you think about it?
1: I was not a big fan. Uh yeah. I thought it was Pretty annoying the most of the humor mm-hmm. just didn't quite land for me um and I also just thought it was long and like kind of convoluted and then the way that it all comes together in the end wasn't really that satisfying um it's British. <laughs> it's a lot more <laughs> British than one. Too many British. Going into it. And it also had just a, a really unnecessary amount of gross gore. Um, and I am not usually one to say that. Like, I don't, mm. I don't, I don't typically care that much. And maybe I only care because I'm having such severe stomach troubles. Yeah. <laughs> and I was nauseous. I don't know. But it just felt like every single time another action scene starts a really nasty thing happens out of nowhere that just made me be like are you for why did you have to do that <laughs> is that really necessary like it just kind of got to a point where it was a little bit exhausting mm. to watch
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah what about you
0: Um, so I think this is the same creative team behind Deadpool 2 specifically oh, like at okay. least the same director I don't know if the writer or what but uh, um, I didn't realize that going in and, mm-hmm. it, I shows, and I think it kind of shows and I think they're trying to rehash a lot of stuff that worked in those Deadpool things because they're super popular mm-hmm. um, basically the first hour and a half maybe hour and 15 minutes of this mm-hmm. movie I thought it was good but not for me it's okay. like I it wasn't the target for the humor I thought it was yeah. humor was kind of stupid but, yeah, like, but I could see way. what he was doing and I kind of appreciated <laughs> it for what it was doing Um, and then it gets to the ending where you kind of like the third act and you kind of everything's revealed, you know who all the people are and then it just keeps going on and it it, it doesn't, it just becomes a different movie. And I was just really rolling my eyes because it felt like I thought it was working with what it was doing. And then it got to the point where it's like, okay, well, we need more spectacles. So now we're driving the train through a town. (laughs) I said, that was not like, this movie would have worked so much better if you didn't go in that direction.
1: I feel that way too. I really like it like conceptually, like, I don't know the idea that, everyone that you meet on this train has like a different motive and a different very specific intention for being there and like every every cart you enter has kind of a new like weirdly highly trained killer in it yeah. that is kind of, that's really compelling like i i wanted to like it i wanted it to work because that's just a cool like cool thought but it did not yeah it really it got unhinged
0: um, but I did, I think there was some good elements in it and I really want to see more movies in this little subgenre of thing. And, and I have a list of movies that fall into this category and most of them are better than this one, but movies where you follow one character and then as you meet more people, you gradually like flashback and find out their stories throughout the mm-hmm. runtime. And then it all comes together at the end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hateful eight does this. Yeah. I thought I like it was, I had my own problems with that one and I watched it like when it came out, which is a while mm-hmm. ago by now and I hadn't seen it since. So I need to form my opinion a little bit better. One mm-hmm. that I really liked, my favorite that did this, um, that I've seen is bad times at the El Royale. Oh
1: which yeah. Didn't
0: get yeah, that good of ratings. This actually has a lower rating than bullet train, which makes me sad because yeah. I thought I liked that one a lot.
1: Me too. I um, totally forgot
0: about
1: it yeah that makes me want to watch that again i remember really liking it yeah
0: and it is a little bit forgettable but it's just it's it was fun experience watching it and having things unfold in that way Mm -hmm. um the other one i think of is burn after reading the cohen brothers Mm -hmm. um have you seen that one
1: no
0: okay that one i don't like
1: (laughs) okay (laughs) but it does this
0: so maybe it's like very hit or miss because i'm realizing that like most of these movies maybe i didn't like but i liked the idea of doing it and when one yeah. gets it like perfect it's going to be one of my absolute favorites i can tell but i want to see that attempted more and i think this one did it and i really liked that it went for that mm, okay um yeah so i i thought that it was cool and i want to see more movies do stuff like that and i think this movie could have been a lot uh, a lot better i
1: think so too it really it really had a lot of potential that was just not reached.
0: Because um, even even when I was still on board with what I was doing, the the way that it, it was like ADHD editing, I would call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's agree. like they didn't trust the viewer to be able to sit through a scene. <laughs> You'd have a dramatic like this
1: beat is for the TikTok generation. <laughs> oh,
0: well, honestly, it felt like like. Uh, You'd be in the middle of a scene and then something happens. I, the first thing is when Bad Bunny first shows up. Yeah. And he's about to get off the train and he just shows up and then it cuts away to something else. Yeah. And then it comes back and then it, I don't know, it just the way that it would be in the middle or like in the middle of a conversation and
1: mm-hmm. cut to
0: something else. And I think that that really hindered it. And just in general, like that that style is, is, really, is really bad, just doesn't work. I agree. Because that you don't get the payoff very, yeah. of full scenes. Like yeah. you don't have the momentum that, that scenes have.
1: That's true. It feels very Deadpool esque. Now that I know that it was like the Deadpool mm. people, that makes more sense. I feel like, I don't know that Well, that first, the first like scene that I remember kind of having that feeling during was when lemon and tangerine who are by far the best characters in the movie, Despite even though they're being British. British. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when they're like arguing about how many people they've killed. And then it cuts to like a fast montage mm-hmm. where they're talking to the screen and they're counting down the number. I was like, Oh, this is so Deadpool. <laughs> and then it just kind of kept doing that. And like, I don't, that's it's, it's weird how tired and played out that type of movie making feels, despite it not at all being tired or played out. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's exclusive to deadpool pretty much but it's just like if anybody else tries to do it
0: it's like oh this has just really been done before yeah yeah that's <laughs> a good point and i think it's specifically not that not that this movie has lots of gore it's that mm-hmm. the the gory violence is a punchline to jokes
1: yeah yeah that
0: i didn't like in this one because when they got to fighting at the end i didn't mind or like in, yeah. in fight scenes, if you get to see gross stuff, like, I don't, like, that's kind of cool. I don't know.
1: Sure. But, yeah. like,
0: in, in, in moments like that where it's kind of someone dies in an extremely violent way, silly, like, I don't so know. silly. You know, <laughs> it, it, it feels a little, like, juvenile in some ways, honestly. I
1: agree. I agree. I don't, it does not work for me, like, ever.
0: Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm glad I did get to watch it. Cause I don't think this is what I was expecting at all.
1: Yeah. Me neither.
0: Um, but, uh, and I would also say that Brad Pitt was, I just really like Brad Pitt. I will he's, watch him in anything. He's
1: talented. Yeah. Um,
0: someone I was reading somewhere. Someone said that, um, it feels like his character should have just been Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Cause it seems like it was written for him and he just wasn't. But the, uh, I, I, would have liked this movie worse if it was. Yeah, there's something about Brad Pitt's is. chill, reassuring presence of just going through it that it, I appreciated in this one. If he was also super quirky, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have liked it as much.
1: I agree with that. I I like I d- yeah crap, that the <laughs> Brad Pitt's character is pretty grounding in this movie. Like kind of kind of anchors the whole thing, which. Mm. I
0: did appreciate yeah yeah and then the third act just I don't even want to talk about that much just because it felt it
1: it just fell apart
0: I don't want to say that it felt tacked on because like the opening scene it starts out you see the the sun and yeah and then then but then it's like okay that would be like a fun way to just end it be like okay well now these how this is how people actually connect and then Make it be a quick ending from there, I guess I'd say. I
1: know, but they really dragged it out. And, then and
0: dragging like, it out just kind of ruins a lot of the fun momentum that it did yeah. build up. The and Google by that point, so
1: many people have died. And you're kind of like, I like really don't care about like most of the people mm-hmm. that are like left. Like- yeah. Who, like, I don't know. They're trying so hard to get you to like care about like the, the white death or whatever in his whole story and the way that he connects.
0: And that is Michael like, Shannon. That was so less. funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was ne- never would have guessed that he would be Michael Shannon. I, I <laughs> laughed. It's like, no way. That is so random.
1: <sighs> yeah. I give it a five out of 10. Not mm. a big fan.
0: I gave it a six. Um, <laughs> And there's something that, it's probably just because I, I liked what it tried to do.
1: Okay.
0: I just there, I just had lots of problems with it, but I still just want more original stories to be made. And I guess how original is this when it's like being too much like Deadpool? But, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but uh, at the same time, there's something that the way that it kind of was, was all right.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: It feels like I'm hating on it a lot, but I think there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff in it too. Kind of, I had fun watching it. So until it got yeah. to the third act. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I don't know. It, it feels weird that I'm giving it a positive rating after saying, here are all the problems I had with the beginning part. Right. And then the end part was just really bad. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I will drop it down to a five, but yeah.
1: Uh, it feels very, very five out of 10 to me. Just pretty bad. Some good moments. There were some, some action sequences that were like really fun and exciting. Hmm. The one bad guy who just kind of pulls out a snake (laughs) and it it bites Brad Pitt on the hand. I thought that was really funny. I was like, I kind of wish more people would just like use a snake (laughs) as a weapon. Yeah. There were, yeah, there were some standout moments for sure, but for the most part, it did not work for me.
0: You know what? I'm gonna keep it at a six. There were a couple jokes that did land. I'm not gonna say that the humor was all stupid. I laughed a a couple times, like actually laughed. Okay. Audibly. Audibly laughed a couple times. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I don't regret watching it. So Yeah, me neither. I'm keeping it at a six out of ten. Who cares? Yeah, there's a little, a little bonus segment for our AFRA wrap-up. Yeah. The bullet train. Cool. Which means all that oh we gotta decide what we're gonna do for next week though.
1: Oh yeah, watch another huh. movie.
0: I'd be down. I'm always down to watching movie.
1: <laughs> Me too. Let's watch something good.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's see. You know what? I wanna watch some Coriata.
1: Okay.
0: No one knows, I think, or nobody knows.
1: Okay.
0: Nobody knows is what it's called. Nobody is this knows. available anywhere? Oh, it's on Tubi, apparently, to watch for free. Oh, cool. Yeah. We've been having too much fun with our movies lately. We need to watch them. Not to say that Coriata isn't fun, but <laughs> it's 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 an artsy vibe, you know? Cool. You liked uh, Still Walking, didn't you? Yes. I made you watch that for something on the podcast. When was that? It was a while ago by now. <laughs> but it was a Japanese. They're uh, like a family. There's a
1: the oh, son. Oh, I remember. with his
0: son and the stepmom. Yeah.
1: I did like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um,
0: this was his movie that he did uh, right before that, I think.
1: Okay, awesome.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's on Tubi as well as AMC Plus. Beautiful. I think I want to watch that.
1: Okay. Sounds good to me.
0: Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So yeah, we'll watch that for next week. Um, Which means all there's left to do for this time around is to recommend an album. Do you have an album to recommend?
1: Yeah, I did not know what album I was going to recommend today because I have not been listening to like music or like really doing anything Mm. (laughs) for this whole week. And I asked Adam what album I should recommend. And he immediately, like the first thing that popped into his head, said, Black Holes and Revelations by Muse. And I was like, that is a good that album. That is a good album. <laughs> I really kind of forgot about it a little bit. <laughs> uh, but it kind of really rocks. It's got the Twilight Baseball say- scene song on it. It's really good. It's good. It's just like hit after hit on that album. It's a super fun time. Um, and it's not really forgettable. I don't really know why I've just been kind of like sleeping on it a little bit, but if you have (laughs) been to, might I recommend giving it another listen?
0: All right. Sounds good. Um, I have, two music recommendations one is an actual album and then I have a bit of a, of a silly request for, for all you viewers listeners at home <laughs> um, so the first one it is now spring spring is in full swing as some would say uh, so I gotta recommend this, the springiest album I can think of which is Tasmania by Pond which I'm sure I've recommended on here before on another spring on another fine spring day <laughs> Um, But specifically Daisy, the lead single from the song, which I think is the perfect spring song. (laughs) But the whole album is just so fun and energetic and sunny. And I love Pond. They're one of my favorites. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe I haven't liked quite as much anything that they've done since this album. Mm. But this one and the one that came right before it are I will never abandon, (laughs) even if I've abandoned Pond a little bit since then. (laughs) But uh, Tasmania, go check it out if you haven't heard it. Actually, even if you have heard it, check it out and let that be the tune to your spring. And uh, yeah, I also have to say on Spotify, you know how they do like personal mixes for you? Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking through one day and there's one called vampire mix. Cool. And I said, What does that mean? <laughs> and I clicked on it and it is so good. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's just my vampire mix that is good or if, what if no one else has a vampire mix and it like means something?
1: I'm so intrigued enough.
0: But I, I a, yeah, anyone listening that uses Spotify go check on Spotify and see if you have a vampire mix and whether it is good or not. <laughs> um, Cause mine was so fun and it was like, it's a, a very specific vibe that I want to listen to often. So I've, that's the only like mix that I actually use, but I've been listening to it kind of a lot. And I think everyone should, should find their vampire mix, see if it exists, see if it's good. And uh, if it is go listen to that.
1: I have a vampire mix and I'm quite excited to listen to it and guess what Supermassive Black Hole by me
0: there you go I like how it just says the the description is just vampire music picked just for you as if like as if you're supposed to be oh okay Uh, but at the same time it kind of makes sense
1: Uh, cool I can't wait to check mine out
0: Um, yeah so everyone else listening should also go check yours out because it's pretty cool uh, I'm a big fan. And it's also the, the, two of my favorite shades of purple, which is my favorite color.
1: Oh, nice.
0: But then again, all shades of purple are, are pretty great. <laughs> I saw that somewhere the other day. There was like, what other color are there no bad shades of? Because I know oh, yeah. purple is one of them. Green, it depends. I mean, <laughs> green is probably like a 98%. I think like some really garish bright greens
1: Sure, like a like a neon.
0: Yeah, might not be all super right, ideal. All
1: right, all
0: right. I don't know, but the <laughs> but purple is my favorite color, I gotta say.
1: Green is <laughs> and uh,
0: and vampire mix is my favorite Spotify mix <laughs> of vampire music picked just for me.
1: I can't wait to listen to mine. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. A, a fun yeah, a, a little bonus recommendation. <laughs> Um so so that's uh that's our big return episode. It's been a, a fun and wild ride, I think. Mm-hmm. It's got to, one going to be one of our longer episodes ever for sure. Yeah. Which is kind Thanks. of fun.
1: Thanks for having us back. Thank you everyone for your patience. Yeah. I was in the hospital. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it, it's it a valid excuse. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about making like a short little episode to kind of explain the situation, but yeah, I, I like it better to uh come back with a bang.
1: So, yeah, totally.
0: Uh cool. All right, we'll be back next week with Nobody Knows, uh, which is one that I've been wanting to watch for a while. I did some quick research uh just a second ago and um three Coriata movies. Have four point two or tied? Well, maybe not tied, but like have four point two ratings on Letterboxd, and this is the one only one that I haven't seen. The other two are still walking and shoplifters. So, uh, so maybe this completes the trifecta of his most well-regarded movies. So, I'm really excited. I've been wanting to see it for a while.
1: I'm excited to check it out too.
0: And uh, we'll talk about that next week. Woohoo! All right. So, see you then. Barring any uh, any more um, fatal health complications. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening. Do great you. things this week. We both believe in you.
1: We do. Thanks for hanging
0: out. Yeah. Bye, Bye now.